Hello and welcome to the last episode of Season 4 of Cryptids Decrypted. Just a few notes before we get started. Uh, really, I just want to thank you all for coming with us um, on this, this journey, whatever this has been. Four seasons, 40 episodes and change, like uh, about 30,000 listens. You guys rock. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. If uh, if you like to support us, please tell other people about the podcast. Please tell us what you like about the podcast. Subscribe if that's something your platform lets you do. Rate it if that's something your platform lets you do. Or like tweet at us at Cast Decrypted on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, which I believe we're just at Cryptids Decrypted. You know, I, I don't know. I John manages that piece of it. I don't do our Instagram. I don't know. We, we appreciate y'all. Now, the last thing before we get started, I am working on some episodes for next season that are going to be kind of unique so i wanted if any of you have stories about cryptids ghosts or things that can't be explained and you want to talk about them on a podcast i am putting together an episode that is going to be interviews with people about their experiences with these phenomena so if you have something like that you'd like to share please go and email us at cryptids decrypted as uh, c-r-y-p-t-i-d-s D-E-C-R-Y-P-T-E-D at gmail.com. Oh, man, we got spelling is hard this morning. But if you go ahead and email me there, we can get something set up. We'll just do a quick Zoom call. I'll ask you a little bit about your experience. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll get it to air. And, of course, we can keep your name anonymous if you want it to be that way or not anonymous if you uh, if you don't want it. So, anyways, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I think it's going to lead to some really interesting episodes down the line. But without further ado, let's get into Cryptid Royale. Well, John, it's the uh, it's the end of another season here, and as always, we're going to end with a cryptid royale. Uh, but, what? But before, another one? I, I know. I know. It's a double royale season. We, 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 you think we'd leave you without cryptid royale, guys? Come Stay on. tuned for cryptid royale royale redux. That's a good point. Yeah, at some point in between seasons, we'll do a redux, go back with our fancy new rating system. And Ashton will give everything ones for believability. It'll be I great. Will. I will give everything right. ones, uh, except for Sea Monsters. Sea Monsters always going to get a four from me. Uh, <laughs> before we get started today, I just, so I came across this really weird story, and I wanted to share it on here, because I feel like this is something that people will be interested in. This just happened, well, I guess this morning, well, March 9th, uh, in the morning Japanese time. So It's the last night for us, yeah. Yeah, you, you ever heard of the uh, the Killing Stone? Um, I know that. Stones can kill people. I did see this, though. It was split, right? Yeah, so there's this stone in Japan that was allegedly supposed to house, I think, the spirit of, like, a, an evil trickster fox. And it was said to kill anybody that came in contact with it, and it had a bunch of superstitions around it. And then this morning, it split in half, uh, allegedly releasing the spirit. So, you know, just just another way that we might be, might be working ourselves up to some stuff in 2022. Trickster Fox. So if you see a cute little fox that looks like he's, you know, shifty, angling to get into some mischief, maybe put a bullet in its head. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So this this evil nine-tailed fox took the form of a beautiful woman named Tamamo no Mae and plotted to kill Emperor Toba. After Tamamo no Mae was defeated, her spirit is believed to have been trapped inside the stone. Of course it was a nine-tailed fox. She's loose now. Yeah, she's loose now. It's always the nine-tailed foxes that are evil, like, thinking through 
the one anime show that I watched that had a nine-tail fox in it. I, the, the most tails I trust on a fox is two, and that is just because of tails. You, know? you mean miles per hour? Yeah, miles per hour, like... Also, that this is this might be the first time that I'm ever hearing that name said out loud. You never Sega. put two and two together. No, I was never like I always played. I don't think I ever played Sonic and Knuckle or Sonic and Tails, whatever that one was. That two, Sonic two is yeah, what I put yeah. in Tails, right? I well, think I just played Sonic one. There was Sonic two, and then they came out with Sonic and Tails, and then they came out with Sonic and Tails and Knuckles, and like if you got that far, you had this giant stack of random shit that you just stuffed onto each other because there were all these things so i only i only know that the full pronunciation of the name and all that kind of stuff and the cheekiness of it and i say cheekiness with big air quotes because it's very heavy-handed uh because of the book console wars which oh yeah i uh, just read that how did i forget this Yeah, yeah i love that book fantastic book i i think seth rogan was supposed to turn it into a series or he is he's still making it i think they're making a movie it's him and evan goldberg yeah so i'm looking forward so to the that dream, the dream team very very good very good story it was written by the same guy who did accidental billionaires which is the book social network was based off of and now this yeah. is a book podcast yeah well which and, is how hey, it look, started. If, you, if you like nintendo and sega and you want to know about how they feuded forever well if you're in console wars like that's the major thing too is that was our childhood right you were either a sega kid or a nintendo kid there was no crossover and you had to choose and were you the cool edgy one or did you play with baby games like mario yeah there didn't used to be xbox or playstation everybody you know john and i are old i don't know if we've made this clear no i mean playstation was originally supposed to be a super nintendo it was supposed to be an add-on for the super nintendo And then Nintendo backed out at the 11th hour and Sony was like, okay, we'll just go turn our own platform out there. They they were basically Bender from Futurama where they're like, we'll go make our own video game platform, but it's going to be better with hookers and blow. And then they made Metal Gear Solid one of the most like transformative games of that generation. Oh, and the year before they released Final Fantasy VII. So video games and books, y'all. We, we really like him. Also, this Killing Stone split open, so uh, be careful if you're in Japan. Watch out for for, for ladies that have nine tails. They, they probably have ill intentions. <laughs> but if you're into chasing tail, whew, there's a lot for you to chase there. Yeah, oh my goodness. All right, well, with that, okay, so we've done Urban Legends, we've done Internet <laughs> Myths, we've done Holiday Specials. Uh, hell, we even had a real cryptozoologist on this season. Uh, I'm as surprised as you are. That they uh, still come on, and I'm always delighted when they do, because they're super interesting people. Jeff Meldrum was an amazing interview, and I think he just has some cool perspectives. But it's been a hell of a season, and I honestly think it's been probably my favorite so far to record, because I just feel like we've been more coordinated and bringing stuff out on time. Uh, So for that, John, thanks for keeping this fun, and thanks for the work you do on the show. Hey, big shout out to Google. Google Calendar, fantastic. I'm just kidding. No big shout out to Google. (laughs) Fuck those guys. Google Calendar fucked us up a few times. <laughs> yeah. There's a time I didn't wake up. <laughs> I was going to say, we only had, we've only had one mishap. And for all those who don't know, we record at 6 a.m. Because, shocker, Ashton and I both have very demanding jobs. And this is a side gig. So we, we make time for you guys. And we've only slept through an alarm once. It's been great. Yeah, this morning, my smart alarm decided that it was a good idea to wake me up at 5.15 instead of my usual 5.50. To get up for this podcast, so I'm I'm fully something today. It's gonna it's gonna get weird. Uh, um, it's a cryptid podcast. What is it not weird? Yeah, but I mean like extra weird because I'm so tired. 
<laughs> so, we're, all right, we're here for everybody's favorite format. This is Cryptid Royale. Uh, four cryptids enter, one cryptid leaves. None of them really leave, and none of them really enter, but... Look, I like Thunderdome quite a bit, and so I think the premise stands. Like our last episode, we're going to be using the newly minted rating system on three main factors, and I also want to potentially add one more. Now, John, you and I had a discussion offline about potentially doing relative rankings, and here's my argument against it. If we do relative rankings, something like the Jackalope might get a leg up on a better myth. Because it just had, like, worse competitors. Yeah. And it'd be nice to be able to go across the entire catalog and say what's the best. Rather than, like, what's the best relative to the other three cryptids that were in its weight class, so to speak. Okay. So we could definitely do that. But I'm going to give you one stipulation. For believability, you only get a single one to use. You can give everything else 1.5s, 1.1s. <laughs> you okay. can only use one one. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll do my best to not give things ones. I can already tell. I gave something this week on mine more than a one already. No, no spoilers. Okay. So either way, so this 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 last thing I wanted to add. Uh, this is something we've done every Cryptid Royale that I totally forgot about, which is who would win in a fight. Now this, I think we should do the power ranking system for the since I mean that's actually the only way it makes sense in this context. So I wanted to go back through last week's and give give them the one to four ranking with four being the most likely to win in a fight and one being the most likely to get crushed. Okay. And as a reminder, we had the Hawaiian Night Marchers, the Bandage Man, the Kushtaka, and the Gurdon Light. And with that in mind, here's here's my rankings. So I put the Hawaiian Night Marchers at four. hundred percent. Agree with yeah, that. Cause yeah, because it's like it's a big fucking. Is an army. Procession of warriors. It's like, a fucking army. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and add eight to their score from last week. And then second, I put the bandage man because he's a fucking cannibal logger mummy and some twinkling lights and otter people aren't going to give him any shit. He's he's an undead logger mummy. So I'm guessing you put the Gurdon light last. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. It's a, it's a, okay, it's a so fancy light. So you put the Kushtok at third. So I actually, or you put them second to last. I actually disagree with you because the Kushtaka are shape-shifting otter people. So they could shape-shift into buff dudes if they so chose. But also the fact that there's strength in numbers. The bandage man is only one man. The otter people are a collective and could very well overwhelm the bandage man as a collective of shape-shifted buff dudes. So then they could tear him to pieces or, dude, they would convert him into a Kushtaka and then they've got an undead cannibal logger mummy <laughs> otter person. All right. All and right. then it fair... makes you wonder, like, if they've got that on their side, are they actually four? The Night Marcher's got to take out the Bandage Man, like, first in this theoretical fight and just sweep him off the board so the Kushtaka can't assimilate him. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm actually, that's got to make me change my mind because you're right. Like a Kushtaka bandage no, no, man. No, no, nothing, no, 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 no change in your mind. You don't get to All do right, that. Fine, you fine, gave fine, your fine. ratings. You gave your rating. That drum roll does absolutely nothing to the scores. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. It does stuff to the scores. It does absolutely nothing to the um to the rankings. Uh, so we still have the night marchers, but the, now they're at twenty two point four five. The bandage man is at twenty point one. Kushtaka at seventeen point two five, and the Gurdon Light at twelve point seven five. 
I can't wait to see how our other, like, when we go and do the Cryptid Royale Royale Redux. Yeah, like, where is Jackalope going to fall? That's what I want to know. Well, like, are these scores just going to be all over the place? Are they going to even matter when it comes to <laughs> combining all this stuff? And then I'm a... I'm a data visualization person by trade, so I will make some sweet graphs. As long as you make some great pie graphs. If, if anybody ever asks me to make a pie chart, like, this is going to be another myth about a bandage man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck pie charts, I'll say it. I hate them. Okay, well, without further ado, let's get into this. John, I went first last week, so I'm going to let you kick us off this week. Awesome. So this very first cryptid, I, I have to be honest here. Um, I found from a can of beer. It's it's called the Gumbaroo and Rogue Brewery. They like to do random themes for their beers. They had a bat cryptid on one of them, I think, last year. And this is a delicious IPA ale. So I'll start with that. But the Gumbaroo comes from North American folklore. It is a predominantly West Coast based cryptid. And what it is, is a giant bear with an insatiable appetite that rarely comes out from its its hibernation nest and basically eats anything it sees. It stems from the 19th century and early 20th century when it comes to loggers who didn't really have a way to explain forest fires as well as it, it dates back to Native American folklore but it it starts from Gray Harbor in Washington and they theoretically are spread all the way down the coast to Humboldt Bay and these were documented in a couple different books one was Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods in 1910. And then the other one was... Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods, though. That is... That's an amazing name. I kind of feel like I need to read that. Yeah, so each each page of that book covers what they call a different fearsome critter. And it's like a cryptid that has disproportionate bodies and limbs and those types of things. And some of them look scary as shit. I actually found a hypertext of the entry for the Gumbaroo and pulled a bunch of information from there. But the other one is just Fearsome Critters, and that was written in 1939. And what I really want to call out there is what the state of the West Coast was in the early 1900s and the 1800s, where, you know, we we didn't have many industries outside of logging. The West Coast came a little bit later versus the Midwest and the East Coast. A bit of newer cities were like, Seattle wasn't founded until 18... 51 i think and even then it didn't really blow up in popularity until really like the 1970s even for that was i think when microsoft was founded and boeing came before that but my point is the west coast was a lot of lumberland and that was the major industry and the major trade so you had a strong native american population as well as a strong lumberjack population here so what is the Gumbaroo? It is a creature about the size of a black bear, except it doesn't have hair. It is a smooth, leathery, charcoaly black skin that is allegedly thick enough that Ashton arrows and bullets just bounce off. And in all of the findings that I've done, if a hunter were to try and shoot a Gumbaroo, it would likely wind up with that same bullet ricocheting back into its eyes. So, like, that's one of the natural defenses of the Gumbaroo. The Gumbaroo also has a little bit of hair, but it's bushy eyebrows, and then it has a beard. So, of course, a lumberjack bear, cryptid, has a beard because 
why wouldn't it? All lumberjacks have beards and wear flannel. What were we talking about last week that bullets just bounced off it? Neither like, mine. Maybe. Oh, you know what? It was a. Uh, it was Thunderbirds. We we Thunderbirds came up in something else because bullets bouncing off cryptids has become has become a theme here. I think it's come up multiple times now. One of the hunters killed a Thunderbird, though. Remember, and then they couldn't find the body. Yeah, but it took a lot because they were just these big fucking metal birds. So they like shot at it, and the bullets just ricocheted back. That's true. This one, though, like it's very toughened hardened like a leather exterior that it wasn't just bullets it's it's arrows and rocks and those types of things that you would assume native americans would fight these with but ultimately they come out of hibernation very rarely but when they do they hungry as fuck and as a result they will eat and eat and eat even after they're all descended and gross and swelled up they've been said to eat a eat a full horse in a single sitting for example they don't move swiftly they kind of lumber around and they're unbothered by enemies around them and then the only way to kill them or hurt them is fire so they have like a celluloid coating on top of their skin that does actually make them explode if they come into contact with fire which is why lumberjacks view them as a potential cause of rapidly spreading forest fires back during the time of this myth we didn't really have a lot of the fire science that we have now understanding why forest fires spread so quickly and all of that kind of stuff so their theory was that if a gumbaroo comes into contact with fire it would explode and then spread that fire rapidly and there's even stories of in the early 1900s there was a rapid forest fire in coos bay which is along the oregon coast and that was a large, large farming, or sorry, logging town for quite a while until the industry kind of dried up. Coos Bay is also where Steve Prefontaine was from. Who is Steve Prefontaine? He was a big track guy. He was Nike's very first signed athlete. Okay. Ran in the Olympics, really pushed against track professional organizations to give amateurs more power, more freedom uh, back in the 1970s. Um, He died in a car crash, unfortunately, when he was still young, still in his prime. Anyway, so coming back to this, there was a forest fire and a bunch of woodsmen insisted they heard loud reports like, quote, a sound of falling trees during and after this forest fire. Now, falling trees make sense. Typically, when there's forest fire, um, some trees are weakened and actually fall over and slam onto the ground. So that's not shocking. But they also smelled burning rubber. And that's one of the things is in pop culture, the gumbaroo has been adapted a couple times. And if you catch a scent or breathe in like a gumbaroo while it's being burned, in some of these stories, your air is coated or your lungs are coated with plastic. And so then it's misdiagnosed as tuberculosis. And then in one story, it's kind of funny because there's a certain breed of dog that the gumbaroo is scared of. And it's like a a pocket dog. So... (laughs) <laughs> kind of goofy. Goofier than a flammable, hungry, bearded lumberjack bear. Explosively flammable. But again, yeah. these these bears like don't take no shit and just walk over and through anything eating whatever they want. I wonder if that's why there's so much uh, like flammable fats on them because they're just constantly eating. Yeah, I mean, this it's... is my future we're talking about, John. <laughs> Jesus, Ashley, you got to take better care of yourself, bro. I was like, yeah, so hungry. You you wake up from your nap and you're like, wife, move or I'll eat you. I mean, basically, I mean, I woke up like I was going to nap this morning 
when I found out I overslept, and then I woke up through that, and I was like, I guess I gotta make a breakfast burrito now, and I just keep eating all day, all day, every day. Gumbaru and I, kindred spirits. Oh my god, we need to do an episode on spirit cryptids. What is mm-hmm. our spirit cryptid? But yeah, so that's the Gumbaru. And again, the beer is delicious. Rogue Ales, if you're interested. It's an IPA. It's about 6.5%. So not like over the top. It's not a double or a triple IPA. Not one of those beers. It's like 10%. You drink one and you're just fucked up. Those are good. And I'm sure Rogue makes many of them. But the Gumbaroos, really good. Yeah, like the Ninkasi Megalodon. Oh, another another cryptid-themed cool, beer. Cool. That one is a triple IPA that will knock you on Yeah, that one's a... That was a big beer. I think Rogue also did like Bat Squatch. I'm not sure if Bat Squatch is based in reality, but I did like the can quite a bit. Their okay, art so, is neat. So that that was the other one that I, I maybe thought was a thought was a cryptid that I definitely have drank many of those. And I knew that there was another one. But the Gumbaroo is an actual cryptid. Yeah, the, I love the Gumbaroo can art. It's uh it's pretty sweet. Oh it it hey, marketing works because when you're in the shopping aisle and you see generic cans, you're like Meh. Then you see the Gumbaroo and you're like, okay. And then you see Coors Light Mountains being blue and you're like, I gotta get the Coors Light. So Gumbaroo comes a close second to the Coors Light Blue Mountains. We're a beer podcast now. Beer, video games, books, and occasionally cryptids. All right. Well, let's get to some rankings then. Cool factor. I think a cool factor is like a 2.7 because it's a big fat bear. Like I'm not overly blown away i don't think it's you know the coolest thing in the world but i think it's it's pretty neat and renditions and pictures of it look fucking creepy like almost like you blend a bear with a frog and then give it the attack on titan treatment yeah it really did i maybe i was swayed by i looked at the picture of the rogue cam as you were talking but i i'm gonna give it a three because again like this is another word salad myth like flammable hungry bearded lumberjack bear yeah come on what I I hear it. Yeah. What? What? Who? What? Just how do you come up with the idea that's like, oh, there's this hairless bear, and if it gets too close to fire, it it blows up and causes forest fires. The fuck. Fair point. Yeah. With that in mind, believability, I'm gonna give it a two because it's a big bear. We know that sometimes creatures lose their hair because of diseases like mange. That is probably what led to the chupacabra myth, at least partially. It's definitely what led to the the corpses of the chupacabra were mostly dogs with mange. So you think of like a pissed off bear with mange that has a pituitary gland issue that causes it to just keep eating. And I don't think it's that. Actually, no, I'm going to bump that up to 2.5 now that I've talked myself into it. Because I think that that's, I don't know, that's totally possible. The flammable bit, whatever, like maybe the bear got too close to some gasoline one time. Like, it's definitely possible. At least most of it. 90% of that myth is is possible. I'm going to give it a 2.23. I like the concept of the fact that they've largely died out due to the rise in forest fires as of as of recently along the West Coast. And <laughs> Makes sense if they're flammable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they, their layers are, you know, in these areas where there are a lot of forest fires and every year the forest fires get worse. So what did you give her a cool factor again? You said 2.25? 2.5. I don't remember. It's early. Well, it's up to, it's up to 2.5 now. Spinoff. One. There's, we've, we've covered everything I could find. Yeah. I, I've got, I've gotten my yucks out of this creature and then we'll save the, will it win in a fight for later? But I'm just going to say off the bat, this sounds like a strong contender. I don't know if self-destructing helps you win a fight, but... Well, I was going to say, unless they're 
any uh, any fire related cryptids on your side no i you know maybe i took these notes a few days ago well, let's find out you got any cryptids we're, we're both with, good this is gonna be a surprise for both of us do you have any cryptids with fucking lighters like that's all they need just a cigarette lighter yeah, <laughs> just a cigarette lighter yeah actually my first one is uh is the myth of the missing father who went out for cigarettes so <laughs> my god rarely seen <laughs> This is what you get for getting me up early, John. It gets dark. Yeah. Well, for my first myth, I'm going to talk about the Pope Lick Monster. The Poop Dick Monster? What? Yeah. yeah yep. Yeah. The Poop Dick Monster. No, the Pope Lick Monster. No, this is not Catholic controversy you're familiar with. Instead, this is a myth about, or from Kentucky about a goat man hybrid that was seen near Pope Lick Creek. What the fuck? You got to wonder where that body of water got its name. I'm kind of wondering if like Pope is somebody's name or like pope was a common name i don't know but i didn't i didn't look into it that hard but so quick glance at this creature's wiki page and i knew we were going to be in for a good time so the public monster or goat man or plm i'm gonna probably use all those terms interchangeably is part man part goat part sheep don't confuse this with the maryland goat man because that's obviously a separate thing john obviously these are very different myths so sorry it's Half goat, half man, half sheep, like man, bear, pig from South Park? Yep. Yep. Each one is an equal 50%. Got it. Okay, great. And if and if you're not tracking that, then maybe you should find a, a podcast that's more at your reading level. Uh, no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we do a lot of math here, people. Uh, so when you do get depictions of this creature, it's actually a lot like Baphomet. Which, if you're not familiar with Baphomet, that is a deity that is depicted as half man, half goat, half man, half woman. It symbolizes the importance of balance. And it was originally theoretically worshipped by the Knights Templar, but its sigil has become the symbol of the Satanic Church. Which, you know, maybe more evidence that those people are cool uh, after all. Because they're all about balance in life. And uh, supporting all aspects of the person, which is kind of neat. In any case... This creature looks a bit demonic, uh, probably because all our depictions of the devil usually have him as some sort of goat man hybrid as well. So we're kind of, we're biased towards goat people, really. The origin of this creature is relatively unknown. I kind of found a lot of things. Wikipedia said there's a theory that it's an escaped circus performer that's out for revenge against people that shamed it and, uh, you know, like paid money to see it. Some say it's the product of bestiality. Others say it's the reincarnation of a local farmer believed to sacrifice goats to Satan, which that's my favorite, I think. But uh, I didn't find very much supporting evidence of any of these because, um, you know, it's the Pope, the Pope-like monster. What are you going to do? So what the heck is this myth actually about? PLM lives on a trestle bridge uh, on the what Norfolk... What is a trestle bridge? Oh, yeah, I had to look it up, too. It, a trestle bridge is just a fancy way of calling out the type of supports a bridge has, but it's like your typical railway bridge where it's got, like, a bunch of struts underneath it. Like, if you think of the bridge in Red Dead Redemption that you blow up, boilers, okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like, a big, like a big rail bridge with a bunch of uh, wooden supports coming out from underneath it, and it's it refers to the type of supports that are there but this is a bridge that passes above Poplet creek and it's uh, an active railway so the plm inhabits this bridge either hiding in the wood frame beneath it or sometimes just standing on top the myth states that he uses hypnosis or some form of siren song to lure people onto the bridge where they are run down by passing trains an important note looking at the bridge it's long enough that you could easily get caught in the middle and not have time to reach the other side if you heard a train coming there's also no room on the edges really like it's perfectly train sized so you shit out of luck if you're up there and can't get off 
And we'll we'll get to that later because that has happened multiple times. It's also high enough that you're likely not going to survive the jump. It is about 100 feet is what I saw the estimates at. Jesus, dude. Yeah. This is a fucked up myth. So the gist of the main myth is it lures you up on the bridge and you either get hit by a train or jump to your death. Some people say it's also like just terrifying enough that it kills you or like makes you jump to your death because you're just so scared of the goat man doesn't even need to be a train. And then there's a small road that runs underneath it. And the monster is said to jump down on passing cars, either just to scare them and or attack them with a bloody axe if you're looking at the farmer myth specifically. So all over the place, public monster doesn't want to pick a lane, just kind of doing him, likes to live on this trestle bridge. So this is where the myth gets sad. A non-trivial number of people have died looking for this myth. And it has nothing to do with a monster going after them. It has everything to do with a misconception that this particular stretch of track is no longer active. But it is very much so still an active freight train route. From 1984, there have been six deaths and a handful of serious injuries related to this legend. And a lot of this stems from the phenomena of legend tripping, which is something I'm surprised I haven't heard of. And maybe I have, but we haven't talked about it. But legend tripping is the practice of rites of passage by going to places of supernatural origin, murder sites, famous Goatman bridges, etc. Like, John, do you remember near Portland, there is like an abandoned asylum there's there's this big there's this big abandoned mental asylum and i think that that is like a site of legend tripping because it's there is horrible human rights abuses committed there so it's like a rite of passage to stay a night in the asylum or something like that that would be an example of legend tripping or like saying bloody mary in a mirror is a minor example got it yeah that makes sense it, it makes sense when you look at how commercialized cryptids have become right and how a lot of towns and you know, local municipalities have taken advantage of the fact that there are cryptids around them and they advertise that and they put on conventions like the Mothman convention in, in I think, West Virginia or wherever Mothman is. That episode was like a year and a half ago, COVID years. Yeah. So it's, it's that doesn't surprise me. Like, look at all the people who go to Loch Ness to try and find the monster. Yeah, I... So and that it's interesting too because the Poplick monster doesn't seem to be heavily advertised. In fact, so there was a film about it in 1988, which was super creatively titled uh, "The Legend of the Poplick Monster." It was 16 minutes, cost six thousand dollars, and the railroad companies were hissed. I bet, yeah, because they thought it would feel a rise in people climbing the trestle, like the characters did in the movie. Uh, there's also a scene where somebody hangs off the edge of the trestle to avoid a train, but in reality, those trains take about five to seven minutes to pass, and most humans can't hold on to an edge for that long. Well, it's vibrating like crazy. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. There's an episode of Mythbusters, actually, about like how long you can hang on to a ledge by your fingertips, and it is shockingly short. Like, it's... I want to say it's like under a minute for most people. It's really hard. Think of and how like being able to pull muscles you have, like on the edge of your fingers. Like, look at your fingers. You have no muscles there. That's what's holding unless you. unless you're free solo. If you're free solo, you're fine. Go go look for the public monster. Like, but yeah, and uh, so if you really want to investigate, like you you can go to this bridge. Just don't get on top of the fucking bridge. Like, there's a road underneath it. You can just go look at it. Like, I don't know. You, you don't have to climb it, but it's like a, people do it as a rite of passage and people die. Yeah. So this this is just kind of like a really sad goat man myth that actually causes a lot of harm. So I would actually like to propose an alternative form of legend tripping 12 miles away 
from this uh, trestle bridge is Colonel Sanders' grave. So you could go pay your respects with a delicious bucket of KFC's delightful fried chicken. From now until April, you and your friends can get a special deal with the code cryptids on a KFC subscription box. Uh, That's right, uh, C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-S at kfc.com slash cryptids decrypted. Uh, thank you for sponsoring this podcast, KFC. We really appreciate it. Did Did you really get us a sponsorship? No, I didn't really get us a sponsorship. Oh. I just this is this is my I'm 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 wheeling it into existence. I'm kind of hoping, but Colonel Sanders' grave legitimately is 12 miles from this bridge. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know. I, I'd rather go visit Colonel Sanders' grave than the the Pope Dick Monster Bridge. But yeah, so cool factor, solid uh solid two for me. I like the morbid stuff surrounding it, but it also doesn't feel terribly original. And I, th- I think like the lore is a little, uh, a little thin. It's like a one point seven five, just because pick a lane when it comes yeah. to the origin. It bounced around a lot. There are a bunch of origins there, and then on top of that, they're not even the only goat monster. There's, there's one in a different state that's like not that far away. That's disappointing. Yeah, I know. And you think about something like the Jersey Devil too. That's pretty close, and that one's got like cool stuff because it ties in the founding fathers being shitty, which I'm all about, and like people warring over uh, what you call it, like all- farmers' almanacs and stuff. That, that that one was great. Believability. I should mention there is literally like no documented sightings of this creature, so I gave it a one. I'm using my one on this creature because no sightings whatsoever. Uh, I am also using the one here. Yeah. The, the only like the only reason it's there is because I don't know, man. Kids are dumb and want to prove that they're they're big time badass. Spinoff potential. I'm also giving it a one. Yeah, agreed. I know. I also gave the other one a one, but I'm sticking to it. All right, John, take us take us to a happier place. Oh yeah, no, actually, the next one's kind of a fun one, but it might be a short one because there's not a ton here. But we're gonna talk about the Fresno Nightcrawler. The Fresno Nightcrawler is a cryptid that has been documented and captured in three locations. It's been in, obviously, Fresno, California, which is where it comes from, the Fresno Nightcrawler. It's been recorded in Yosemite National Forest, um, and then it's been recorded in Poland, weirdly. And Ashley, you might be asking, what is the Fresno Nightcrawler? It's also known as the Fresno... Is it it Jake Gyllenhaal? No, no. Is it Jake? Oh, it's not Jake Gyllenhaal. I need to go watch that movie at some point. I've heard it's good. Yeah, me me too. I haven't haven't seen it. I only know the the X-Men Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Mm. Cut Wagner. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so this is also known as the Fresno alien. And uh, what it is, is a giant white semi-translucent creature that has very long legs. Um, and it, quote, looks like a pair of pants. People are not sure if it has arms because all of the footage caught really just captures like the lower part of it. And they're, they're said to be actually pretty tall, but they're just like all legs. They typically travel in pairs and one is very short. One is very tall. So it's like a dad taking his kid on vacation to earth. It's pretty neat. And they've been, like I said, they've been sighted in a few different locations. The first was in Fresno, California. A guy named Jose set up a CCTV security cam system for his front lawn to try and catch people who were vandalizing or doing something along those lines and was woken up in the middle of the night by his dog barking. He then looked at the footage and saw these things that were just kind of chilling. And that's that's kind of the cool thing is this isn't like a mean cryptid. This is like a nice cryptid. But they were chilling and he woke up his brother who then saw the footage and watched the footage and like ran outside and actually found tracks that were very small feet because apparently they're like they 
have stilt-like legs where they're super long and super narrow feet. And then by the time investigators arrived, all the tracks had washed away and CCTV footage got lost and all we have left is a grainy image of the monitor showing the CCTV footage. So that was number one. The second one was in Yosemite National Forest, the park rangers set up a bunch of cameras to try and capture um, those dang kids being all rascally. And what they actually found was footage of very similar looking creatures walking down a path, um, not damaging anything, just kind of going and exploring the forest. Um, they didn't find any tracks, but that's one thing they were able to see is those, those creatures just kind of out there chilling. And then in Poland, of all places, there was a man caught footage on shaky like camcorder. So we actually have three sightings of these and what's neat is like I said, they they're actually nice. Nobody's actually seen them in person, to be fair. But they they actually have some Native American origins. Where there are some statues and carvings from quite a while ago that were shared on social media, and nobody actually knows like where in the world these carvings are. They just know they're in North America. But they capture very similar looking things where it it's like an arch with a head on top with no arms. And that's also the weird thing is there are no arms. But ultimately in North American folklore, there are beings that have been thought to always live on Earth and they predate humans. Uh, their long legs allow them to move through difficult or boggy landscapes because they were, quote, swamp world beings. So they're here in order to rebuild the connection between humans and natural surroundings. And they serve as kind of like a peace bringer. I'm, uh, I'm into these ghost pants. Also, I looked at a picture. They do. They look. They look like a ghostly pair of pants with like eyes where the belt buckle would be, or or like a like a big tooth. Yeah, I could see the big tooth. Yeah, the general theory is that they're aliens, right? Like that makes the most sense. Of course. Yeah, but that's that's kind of it. That's that's unfortunately all it really got on the Fresno Nightcrawler. Uh, it's it's funny because some people like string up like paper mache nightcrawlers or like just random shit to try and scare other people and. Uh, have them spread throughout Fresno, California, which is Fresno is kind of inland from the bay. It's it's a little south from there, so it's it's its own little thing. But um, yeah, they they, they don't seem mean. They look kind of weird. They look kind of cute, to be honest. I don't know. I'm 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 digging it. Ghost pants is not something I ever thought I'd uh, run into, to be honest. Yeah, they definitely lose in a fight. I'll tell you that they are they are bottom of the barrel as of, as of right now. Yeah, and ghost pants. Probably not. Probably not high on the fight list. Yeah, from a cool factor, I'd give him like a one point three eight. I'm I'm gonna give him a two because I I don't know nice nice little ghost pants. Some sometimes we need a nice cryptid believability. You said I can't use my one twice, so I'm gonna give them a one point one. Yeah, yeah, they're getting a one point one because they're ghost pants. Yeah, but they, they three documented cases of capturing footage ashton yeah oh capturing footage i thought you said there was three times that they were physically captured and i was like what did somebody like go to old navy no they're and they, they're they on, found like a pair of white pants on like, security cameras all right well i'm giving it a 2.3 for believability you gave it a 2.3 for believability you got security cam footage bro oh my goodness what's your cool factor again 1.3 1.3 1.38 1.38. Those those feel those feel reversed. What has happened? 2.3 for believability, John. 
This is this is a serious podcast that you're trying to tell me that you believe more in ghost pants than you do in let's see, did you rate anything? Let's go back to your believability here. Alien ghost pants. Alien ghost pants more than the bandage man, more than the kushtaka. All right, suspect. Uh, spinoff potential for ghost pants. One's across the board today. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. There's just not a ton there. I don't, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous to put on pants later. Like, we'll see. I'm not wearing pants right now. I never do when I record this podcast, people. Live free. Wake up, sheeple. All right, Ashton, we'll, we'll take us home. We've been recording for like 50 minutes now somehow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if you ever wonder uh, how our stuff gets cut down this is how i'm like i'm i'm terrified because i'm waiting for my son to wake up and come down and find me and then like my audio is just fucked because it's him going daddy 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 for this would be perfect minutes straight all right here we go final myth we're headed down to georgia we're gonna talk about the altamaha i heard the devil went down to georgia one time and he was looking for a soul to steal yeah apparently he wasn't looking for a river monster though because altamaha is hard to find sorry i forgot there's an extra ha so it's it's from the Ultimaha River, but the cryptid is called Ultimaha, which is really hard to say. I had to look up pronunciation too, because like it's spelt Ultimaha, but it's Ultimaha. Uh, is he a joke to you? It kind of feels like it. It's a joke to somebody. This is a river monster. Similar to many others we've talked about, but it's depicted as having a long plesiosaur-like body ending in a paddle tail with two front flippers. Most sightings peg it at close to 30 feet long. It also has a bony ridge up its back, similar to a sturgeon, which before we go any deeper, sturgeon can get absolutely massive in fresh water. The largest sturgeon ever recorded was about 20 feet long. Holy that straight up shit. is, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, that, it's a pretty ancient, rec- or not ancient, but it's it's an old recording. Like, I think it was in the 1800s. The But there have, like, I think the most recent one was, like, a football player caught a 16-foot sturgeon. They, they get fucking huge. Honestly, wicked picture of this creature, pretty damn cute. Looks like a duck-billed dinosaur that went underwater for a swim. But I've also found some scarier depictions of it, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, like, because sometimes it has, like, a crocodile snout, and anything with a crocodile snout is fucking horrifying. So... Ultimaha is sighted in towns near the coast uh, along the Ultimaha River, which goes through goes from the coast of Georgia up into the middle of Georgia. It's got a really big drainage basin. It's it's like a pretty big river. But it's specifically sighted near Darien and McIntosh counties. These counties are known for having vast marshlands, plenty of small river channels, and uh, abandoned rice fields from the 18th and 19th century, which is actually... Like, that's where this monster is primarily seen, is in these canals and abandoned rice fields. And there's this really interesting fact about Darien that might explain why they have this myth in particular. Have you ever heard of this place called Loch Ness, John? No. Yeah, Wait, is I know. It in like, is it in, like, what, Wales or, like, Ireland? It's in Scotland, actually. Isn't that the same thing? No, yeah, pretty much. But Sedarian was founded by Scottish Highlanders that came from the shores of Loch Ness. Wait, wait, wait. Highlanders? There can only be one, though. I know, I know. I, these people, they don't. That's probably why they moved to the U.S. So, if there's ever been a more direct connection for a myth, I have not seen it. Darien was even called New Inverness before they changed the name. So, you recall Inverness is where Bertram Mills was headed with a circus and probably started the Loch Ness myth. However, there is one issue and one hole in this because the settlers came to Georgia in 1735, which is about 200 years before that famous Loch Ness photograph. So, if they were bringing legends of the Loch Ness monster, it's probably more from the ancient origins of the Picts. 
which actually might mean that we're looking at kind of like a hybrid Kelpie myth that's taken on a life of its own, because this kind of does look like the Kelpies, which we discussed in the Loch Ness episode. In either case, first documented sightings come in April of 1830. Captain Delano of the Schooner Eagle saw the monster off the coast of an island at the mouth of the Altamaha River. He said the creature was at least 70 feet long, and its circumference was that of a sugar hogshead which sugar hogshead is a particular type of barrel. About five feet in diameter would carry 1,500 pounds of sugar. Let's learn something new every day. The sighting was verified from five people on the boat, as well as several planters on the shore. Later that year, people saw a whale in a nearby sound and thought maybe it was the same creature, but Captain Delano was like, nah. He said that he's acquainted with all kinds of whales and that he never saw but once before a monster similar to the one that he had described. Not a whale, according to Captain Delano. There is... I, I saw some people saying that there's a native origin to this myth, but the documentation is really thin. Like, they're saying it came from the Tama people who originally inhabited, inhabited the Altamaha River, but I I found nothing from official tribe sources that said that that's true, so it might just be another instance of people trying to use native myths to give a, an urban legend more credibility. There are records of other native tribes in Georgia telling settler stories of massive serpents inhabiting the rivers but in my opinion that could be a story to just get people to you know like say hey like fuck up and stop colonizing us like there's giant river snakes here you don't want none of this and also before urbanization giant river snakes probably we still have giant river snake which i'll get to in a minute but sightings continued but only gained national attention in 1981. Larry Gwynn, a former newspaper publisher, reported seeing the creature while out fishing. He described it as having two humps about five feet apart and leaving a wake comparable to a speedboat. Newspapers around the country ran the story, and suddenly people started coming forward and saying that they had also seen this monster. Harvey Blackman said he had seen the creature in the 1970s and that it was about 15 to 20 feet long with a snake-like head. In this same incident, others said they saw the creature leave wakes big enough to bump the other boats that were around. All these reports also coincide with the Loch Ness Monster gaining international attention, so take it with the biggest grain of salt you can. Now, the one time people thought they actually had evidence of this thing, it turned out to be a performance art piece an artist yeah i know <laughs> performance art an artist uh, zardulu made remains that looked like the creature by using a stuffed shark and paper mache normal arts and crafts and i realized i said i said the one time there was another time in 2018 another body quote-unquote washed up on the side of the river and was believed to be a smaller a smaller specimen of the altamaha monster but so this guy named jeff warren he reached out to local news teams after finding the corpse at the side of the river, sent them a picture. However, it was quickly dismissed as a hoax. The image showed footprints that had been wiped away to hide the placing of the object. Despite being dead, the creature's tail was stiff and upright, characteristic of paper mache again. The organs next to it were from something completely different, and there were no close-up pictures taken. But even better, there is some speculation that Jeff Warren isn't real, and that it's actually author Taylor Brown trying to promote his latest book launch, which is something that I wish I had thought of. You know, maybe, maybe more people buy my books if I promote it this way, and at this point, I'd like to say, I promise I wasn't the one faking Sasquatch sightings in Snoqualmie Pass in January 2020. Yes, it was right before A Man of the Mountain came out, but I didn't buy my Yeti suit until 2021, so you can't prove anything. But in either case, it's actually a ton of sightings for this creature. There's no record of it ever attacking anyone. Most of the sightings just consist of someone seeing a large snake-like creature about 20 feet in length 
breaking the water in a significant fashion. Which brings me to the most important question, which is what could this creature really be? Number one, the endangered Atlantic sturgeon. So it's not as big as the other sturgeon I mentioned, but it is pretty rare. The largest was about 14 feet long. So we're getting kind of close to the Altamaha range and... I don't know, we know people exaggerate fishtails. That's why they're called fishtails. It could be an alligator gar. And these fish are fucking terrifying. Imagine a big-ass catfish, but it's got an alligator mouth instead of friendly whiskers, and then you're kind of getting on the right track. These get about 8.5 feet in length, as far as we've recorded, and they're nasty as hell. Like, they have this just big alligator snout with messed up thing of teeth. Like, look up large alligator gar, and you'll be convinced that river monsters do exist. Three, it's fucking Georgia, and there are an insane number of scary things in rivers that could easily look like a sea monster or river monster. There's just, there's big fish out there. They have a whole show about it. It's called River Monsters. Like, lots of big fish. And then finally getting back to the giant snakes, eastern indigo snakes are exceedingly rare, but they can get up to nine feet in length, and they do like to swim. So, and they're, they're like jet black. So if you saw like a nine foot snake going through the water, also possible. Also, snakes have, I think, like, indeterminate growth. So, you know, we probably haven't recorded the biggest snake. I've seen some huge non-native pythons. Not not in person, but I've, I've seen them on, uh, like, on Reddit, which is uh, it's basically, basically fact. My conclusion, I think it's totally possible to get a record-breaking specimen of an existing species that is responsible for these phenomena. There's, like, so many real things that this could be that I actually don't think we need a plesiosaur. But that's it. That is the Ultimaha Cool Factor. John. 3.2. I like water monsters. I, I also like water monsters. Uh, cool Factor for me. I'm going to give it a 2 because it feels pretty basic, to be honest. I It's cool in the fact that it could be real, but I'm, that, that's going to get baked into my believability score. So I just, my, my assumption here that underlies my Cool Factor is that it's Tahoe Tessie going through those interdimensional... Lake yeah, tunnels. aquifer is men. Yep, that's fair. Believability, I'm going to give it a three. And the reason it's not getting a four is because I don't think it's a plesiosaur. I'll give it a three because I, I don't doubt that people saw a river monster that was able to create a wake that would bounce around boats. Because there's just... That's exactly why I give it a 2.2, though, is we know what it likely is. Well, so it could be any of the four things I said, right? And so the other reason I give it a three is just like... Oceans and rivers are big and unexplored. It's entirely possible that there's something that we haven't seen. So, you know, like, and they don't specifically call it out as a plesiosaur. Like, it really looks like a plesiosaur in these drawings. But I think that there could be a a monster of a fish. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's that's fair. That it's not necessarily a plesiosaur, but it is still a cryptid. Okay. Spinoff potential. That's another one for me. One's across the board today. Yeah, which which to be fair is kind of what we should be aiming for in a cryptid right yeah. now, right? Like if they were all fours, then we'd be in trouble. We we botched it. Yeah, we we, we would have botched it. Alright, so let's rank them. Well up. who's gonna win in a fight? Let's do it. Oh the the Gumbaroo. Yeah, Gumbaroo is getting four and four for me. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Um Let's see, river monster, nightcrawler, or goat. Nightcrawler is one. Like nightcrawler is is bottom of the barrel for me, just because they're friendly and they don't have arms. Yeah, and I mean they're big pairs of pants. Which so nightcrawlers are also getting away from me. Where uh, you don't give them a one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. 
I forgot how our ranking system is. I thought you were saying. For some reason, I thought you had already gone to one of yours. So, Goatman or River Monster? Yes. Who who beats who there? Goatman has hypnosis, but I don't think you're ever going to get a River Monster onto a train track. That's a good point. And the Goatman lives on top. He does live on top of a river or a creek. Lives on top of a creek. Another good point. Sea Monster is 20 feet in length. The bridge is 100 feet high, so I don't think the sea monster is getting up there in any meaningful way. Maybe Goatman likes to drop down on cars, gets a little too close to the river one day. Yeah, that's a snack. I am rating it, and I'm giving the river monster the three. I like it. I like that a lot. That that tracks for me, too. Total agreement. All right, so let me do some quick tabulations. God, I hope you were taking notes because I did not oh, write I did. down my scores. I, t- I took them all, don't worry. It's just because somebody likes some um, decimals, I have to actually pull out the calculator. You're welcome. So the Gumbaroo comes in at 20.23, which just- That feels feels good. Beats the Bandage Man by 0.13. Was, what was the highest rated from our last episode? Night Marcher is at 22.45. Ooh, okay, so Gumbaroo, not quite there. All right, let's go to the Pope Lick Monster. Oh, this is going to be a really embarrassingly low score. 11.75. So that, Get off those train tracks and go lobby for yourself. That is a full point below the Gurdon White. Then we have Pants. What did we rate the Pants? 10.75. Eight, which makes it our lowest, wow, lowest ranked, which is sad because I like the Fresno Nightcrawlers. They just weren't cool enough to, to seal the deal. Apparently pants are very basic. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's look at the Ultimahaha. 18.4 for the Ultimahaha. That's a pretty good score. Yeah, so 18.4. Okay, so overall, that puts us our highest ranked from these two royales with the Night Marchers, followed by Gumbaroo, followed by the Bandage Man, followed by Ultimahaha, followed by Kushtaka, the Garden Light, and finally the Fresno Nightcrawler. Oh, and uh, sorry, the Goat Man is right before the Nightcrawler. So... Goatman and Nightcrawler, bottom of the barrel. All right, well, you know, good good first set of rankings. We'll go back and gather up the other three Cryptid Royales and put together a, a similar rating system, and that'll be a bonus episode, folks. Yep. That's, I mean, that's it. We did it. Season four in the books, and we released fairly consistently for the first time in our goddamn lives. We did it, everybody. We'll see you when we see you. I'm not putting a date on season five. Because I'm so tired right now. (laughs) Same. And I gotta go wake my kids up and get them to school now, so. Alright. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it. That's a wrap on Season 4. It has been a... I'd say a heck of a journey. Like, we've been... uh, These early mornings are killing me. It's like, it's 7.13... In the morning right now, which is not late, but I, I think I woke up at 5.15 today because it's stupid smart alarms. So I, I'm, I'm pretty tired. And, uh, you know, being tired just puts me in an appreciative mood. Uh, you all are the best. And I, I, I can't tell you when season five is going to come out because I got to go edit a novel or something. And, uh, you know, I got a couple other projects that I need to work on first, but we'll get there. In the meantime, we'll probably have a few 
bonus episodes in between and uh you know i'm I'm lining up some new guest hosts as well for y'all to enjoy so it's gonna be it'll be good when it gets here thank you for listening i don't know i hope you all have a great rest of your day talk soon